Hello, and welcome to the Tarot to Go radio podcast. I'm Anastasia. With me tonight is Rose Red. Hello. And Artemis. Hello. And our special guest, Glenn Turner. Yay! Yay. Glenn has graciously agreed to meet us here at her store in Oakland called Ancient Ways. You're hearing the tinkling of the atmospheric that. A fountain in the background, setting the tone for a peaceful, easy, serene, and yet lively and informative evening with Glenn. <laughs> Welcome, Glenn. Well, thank you for interviewing me. I'm uh, honored. Oh. It's totally our pleasure. Yeah, we are delighted. So, um, you're one of the most interesting people I've ever met. I'll just say that at the start. Thank you. And um, so, tonight we are dispensing with doing product reviews so that we could spend more time chatting with you personally. Okay. Um, so, I guess the place to start, you know, where you start with everything, is the beginning. Did you just wake up one day and go, gosh, I think I'm going to get into divination, open a bookstore, and start a pagan festival? <laughs> I've often wondered, and, and I've looked at um, small children, wondering if I can detect the signs of witchiness in, <laughs> in little kids. And, and actually, I think you can. Mm-hmm. Um, my... I have photographs my father took of Halloween costumes. Mm-hmm. There was the fairy costume, mm-hmm. and then there was the gypsy fortune teller costume. Uh-huh. Okay. Especially caught my eye, and I've always loved costume. I mean, I started into, I, I went to a camp, and they had an old, run-down, musty costume closet that they we weren't supposed to go in. Of course, you know, I found it. <laughs> Instant magnet. I was going to say, yeah. And so really at at five or seven, I was already really into costumes Mm -hmm. and dressing up and dancing to whatever music my father played. And costuming was like part of it. And so just like music and dance and costuming all fit together. And of course, Halloween with, with, uh, you know, the gypsy costume and the fairy costume, that made sense to me. Mm-hmm. I never really did the witch costume thing as a little kid. I kind of like the exotic gypsy look. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, you have good taste. Yeah. <laughs> well, my mother let me wear her nicest jewelry, even. Like, Ooh. Wow. Excellent. When you got to do really that. Careful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so then I, you know, I can't, I haven't thought of anything. There's sort of a gap between like about eight and 12 when I went to a local Episcopal church that was having a rummage sale and I had tried going to Sunday school there but it was just a boring babysitting <laughs> service and there was nothing I didn't get to read the Bible or anything you know I was really disappointed I was a little precocious and wanting to study did they give you just little arts and crafts projects I don't know I sort of vaguely remember you know one thing and that was neat and then when I went to ask questions it was kind of be quiet you know you uh. were doing this and that and I'm and that was uh, disillusioned me. But I did go to the rummage sale. Mm-hmm. I didn't completely, you know, uh, boycott them. <laughs> and I found a deck of cards. Oh, wow. And it was a divination deck. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the gypsy witch deck. It was one of very much like that. Though. Mm-hmm. It w- wasn't a throw deck because, mind you, we're, we're talking about 19... Um, 54 or 5, no, we're talking about 1950, 
-hmm. So we're talking a long time ago. Okay. <laughs> just a few years. So, yeah, so 50 years ago, mm -hmm. there weren't tarot decks just floating around you could buy at right. rummage sales, all I could find. And sure enough, we actually sell the same deck that I, I mean, I make sure, you know, when I found it, that we sell the deck that I enjoyed so much as a, as a child. Oh, that's fabulous. And so at 12, um, I would do readings for myself and, and for anybody who wanted it. And mm -hmm. so one of the girlfriends would, you know, get me to read their cards. Mm -hmm. I'd read the little booklet, mm -hmm. <laughs> the whole thing, and then in high school I hung out with people uh, that liked to play poker, and so they'd be <laughs> drinking and this, the guys would be playing poker, and the girls, what would we do? Well, we got a deck, and I did. Guess what? <laughs> Reading. <laughs> Readings with playing cards. How fun. And the fours were cars, and the kings and jacks were boys, <laughs> so it was a good you know, ratio, yeah. we thought. <laughs> And and the nine of hearts was the wish card, mm -hmm. and I was you know pretty right on. I at during that time between twelve and fifteen when they they finally let me upstairs at the library, <laughs> I I did find some books on divination. Mm -hmm. uh, one of them was a guide to fortune telling, and there was another compendium that had things about. Um, witchcraft and all, all of that and so those two books there might have been one or two other books but those were actual information containing books and they were pretty important for me they were the only books in the library on the subject and I thought this is great mm -hmm. this is so great and the question I would have is were you supported in your quest to find more information or was this a personal seeking that you did on your own just it was completely on my own. I mean, I just went to the library and I just like wandered wherever I wanted. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, the librarian just scratched her head. Well, they didn't have any other books. You <laughs> right. know, my parents were like political, and poetry was my mother's thing. Mm -hmm. One thing that that did happen actually in my teen years was that my mother read a book called The White Goddess by Robert Graves. Yes, mm -hmm. and she talked about it a whole bunch at the dinner table. Mm -hmm. So I just sort of absorbed all her studies. She was very much into Sumerian studies and archaeology oh, and poetry. And, oh, that's cool. Um, so she was very, she even went over to um, UC Berkeley here and did, uh, you know, line drawing. She was a good artist mm -hmm. of uh, scarabs that some archaeologists had found. And so her art is somewhere in some book somewhere. So. She, she was very interested in uh, archaeology, especially Sumeria. She actually wrote a, a novel about Gilgamesh and how, um, you know, the women as kind of the... She was a, she was a feminist. Wow. It's, and my father was a feminist, too, mm -hmm. you know, I mean... So is, is her, was her book, like, actually published? It wasn't just no, an academic it was work? not very good, oh. actually. Oh, you well. know, needed more dialogue. Oh. It might be fun if I rewrote it. <laughs> hey, there you go. Another project for your Yeah, I have another time. book I'm writing, too. So. <laughs> no, but what I find is surprising is that you're having open conversations about a feminist point of view so early in the 50s. Well, my mother was a feminist. My, my parents were liberals mm -hmm. um, and politically progressive San Francisco. I'm a fifth generation San Francisco. And so, you know, basically it was just like, well, you know, the Bay Area. What right. kind of, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. It was totally. like that then, you know. So basically artists and writers and stuff like that were just sort of part of, you know, life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So...
my mother was my father was supportive of my mother's writing, mm-hmm. and uh, later when I finally got into the witchy thing, my father was tolerant of. You know the sort of fun and games. He he always liked to see it, me dress up and things. <laughs> <laughs> so it was you know t- a lot of tolerance in in the family. And mm-hmm. of course, I just you know the idea that women would not speak out just never occurs to me. So naturally, I'm very outspoken <laughs> and kind of don't fit in that box of women get talked over by men. I just like like it when men will acknowledge that. You know, I can equally converse. And being from the Bay Area, I'm just accustomed to that. Mm-hmm. I'm not used to the little lady who sits in the back <laughs> kind of thinking. <laughs> Other places in the country may have that, but mm-hmm. not really not people I know here or grew up with here. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was very blessed in having, you know, a very liberal education yes, mm-hmm. and uh, environment. Mm-hmm. So, but then, you know, when I... In high school, I was still kind of doing the playing card divination thing a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I had a, a best friend, and she was very much into divination. She and I met when we were 12, so I used, we used to te- give each other readings with mm-hmm. the Gypsy Witch deck. Oh, how fun. And, and we, she was very into things like, oh, we had a chi-chi stick thing that my mother had at the kitchen table, and mm-hmm. so we'd do little fortunes for ourselves in the morning. And, hmm. um, and so my friend Carol and I, you know, it was somebody to play, you know, bounce that off with. Right. When I went to college, I became very political. And this was before people went and gotten arrested. So naturally, I had to go out and get arrested for <laughs> these demonstrations. It's a rite of passage. Oh, yeah. pace setter. Yeah. <laughs> so that was in 1960. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... So I spent a couple of years being very political, then I spent a couple more years in college uh, getting into science and got learn, earned a trade, learned a trade of uh, biology, biotech mm-hmm. type of thing. So wow. I could earn a living when I you know, grew up. <laughs> or at least left college. <laughs> yeah. And um, But when I moved back to San Francisco, uh, fresh out of college and newly married, Met some friends of a friend who was from New York, and they were from New York. And I went to college in New York and came back here. I wasn't going to stay anywhere but here. <laughs> and hung out with these people, and somebody had something that was called a tarot deck. Mm-hmm. Actually, there was Lord of the Rings, and I read right. the trilogy. That was great. And that was in, like, about 1960. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I got no, that would have been in 1964. Mm-hmm. And about 65, I got my own tarot deck. Mm-hmm. And so in 1965, I actually got my own tarot deck. Okay. I came over to Oakland. We mm-hmm. we called around to see if we could find a place where we could get one of these things. Mm-hmm. And there was some place in Oakland. There was a store in Oakland. I have no idea where it was <laughs> or anything. I'd never hardly ever been to Oakland actually. Mm-hmm. I got this deck. It was a DeLorence Tarot deck. Hmm. If you know Tarot, you may not have run into a DeLorence Tarot yeah. deck. It was incredibly rare. I gave it to my best friend, Carol. She still has it, mm-hmm. which is good. I can go look at it. But <laughs> when I got a fancy color version one mm-hmm. with the onk on the back, uh, when they first came out with those, mm-hmm. um, I didn't need this old 
black and red and gray one, so I gave it away. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> sharing. Well, yeah, it's and the time. You know. the, the thing that I think that got me most into the Tarot was uh, coming down with hepatitis. I had been working in a research lab, and I, I suspect the germ warfare place next door at SRI, <laughs> Stanford Research, was, you know. But anyway, so I came down with this hepatitis, and so I was bedridden for six months, and Ooh. I was so sleepy, I could barely read, which is really weird for me. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm just like a readaholic. But I did get a book. I had a book by Paul Foster Case, mm -hmm. oh. and I had a tarot deck. And you know, it, it was really, truly, if you go to a desert island or if you get sick <laughs> with hepatitis and you can hardly do anything except sleep, and I would just look at the cards and I would like glide into oblivion, you know, that sort of sickly weirdness that you right. can have sometimes. Um, and yeah, that was about 1964. Mm -hmm. And so I spent six months like just really, really, really getting into it. Wow. And reading the book, and you know that for for my first book, one of my very first books in magic, that was a pretty good place to start. I was really lucky to happen to run into that book. Mm -hmm. So now we can, if if we're looking at, you know, if we're going along the timeline, how <laughs> do I get from <laughs> from there to here? <laughs> a busy few years there. <laughs> Just a little. After you know, I recovered the, the hepatitis, we moved to um, a nearby place and we had some really great neighbors and we'd all hang out together and drink wine and so on and hang out mm -hmm. talk about everything under the sun. And it turned out one of my neighbors had, uh, was reading The White Goddess. And oh. I thought, geez, <laughs> I'm a grown-up. I bet I could read that too now. Right. I'm not 15, I'm 22. <laughs> so... I got myself a copy and I started reading it. Mm -hmm. went, Man, that that book is so hard to understand. I mean, he he writes as if it was like free association. I mm -hmm. mean, Robert Graves is challenging and wonderful because you feel like an idiot. He keeps talking <laughs> about all these people, all these mythologies and mm -hmm. things you've never heard of. You know, Welch and Greek mm -hmm. and that book has been an inspiration to me. Still, I'm still studying Greek. Uh, mythology and mm -hmm. history and archaeology just to figure it out because then of course I had to read his books um, well his I Claudius books which mm -hmm. wonderful I right. started with those actually mm -hmm. I have to admit that it was much easier <laughs> much more comprehensible and, and then I read his um, uh, Greek myths mm -hmm. and which has pretty much a very strong goddess bias which mm -hmm. in some ways academically has been sort of disproved. There was a whole period in the, um, oh, from say 1900 to 1940, where there was the mother right and a lot of the the whole idea of there having been a matriarchal religion and mm -hmm. uh, or period in, in history and kind of fit in with my mother's thing, which mm -hmm. was Sumeria, mm -hmm. that when writing was started was under the matriarchy and all these things. So I kind of had grown up with this. But, of course, in truth, it's never been that simple. There was never been a nice, pure matriarchy that we can look at and say right, archaeologically right. and say, yeah, there it is. It's been much more complicated and more strife, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. changing much more elusive, things. Right. And so I think a, a, a wonderful, pure matriarchy, kind of hard to have any wars 
happening. Mm -hmm. So that kind of rules out like a pure matriarchy. <laughs> 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 So reading this book and having neighbors who are really into reading it too. So mm -hmm. not just this one neighbor, Aiden, but another neighbor read it. And then somebody else, another friend of uh, my neighbor, Aiden's, you know, Arab, we were really good friends. And we'd, we'd sit around, we'd talk about this and all the ideas in it. And, you oh, know, Robert Graves says, oh, the major arcana can be easily associated to the tree alphabet, not true. I've tried many times. It just doesn't Maybe does easy fit. for him. But. Well, you, you, could, you could make it fit, just like the Golden Dawd made it fit. Right. right. <laughs> and during that same time, I was reading, um, I got uh, Crowley's Magic and Theory and Practice. I got a hold of, actually, even more important for me, because Magic and Theory and Practice is kind of a hard read. Mm -hmm. uh, I got the Greater Key of Solomon and found that mm -hmm. fascinating. I just love that book. I mm -hmm. love the ancient history and the grimoires and the art. And there were some other uh, early books that showing grimoires and things that, that I kind of really like the history and that part of it, medieval part of it. Right. Well, it happened that this one friend of ours, <coughs> Arif, was taking kind of auditing, sneaking in, if you will, <laughs> uh, a class that James Broughton was teaching at San Francisco State mm -hmm. on creative, um, a creative arts project. And what the, the class was is that each person would do a ritual. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. Actually, I know the class pretty well because about five or six years later, I took the same class oh, okay, and okay. wrote a ritual. But I took it for credit. <laughs> Not the unofficial audit. <laughs> yeah. So, so we're, you know, Arif was saying, well, you know, she wanted to do maybe a seance. And we thought, well, maybe a seance, that would be fun. Or how about a witch's sabbat? We've been reading about witch's sabbat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what, what should we do? You know, sort of like, well, we kind of like the idea of a witch's sabbat. That sounded like a really fun party to mm -hmm. us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, seances, you know, dark rooms, and, you know, right. a little hard to do for a class of 30 people. Oh, like, cool, let's do a witch's sabbat. Mm -hmm. And both uh, Arif and Aiden were poets, and uh, Aiden put together a script, and we all rehearsed it. And it turned out that in the neighborhood um, of the four couples that were hanging out together, um, one of the men and three of the women were interested, but the other, oh. you know, the other half of the couples weren't really that interested uh -huh. in okay. having a part. I mean, everybody could have had a part. Right. right. So he wrote the script to have one priest and three priestesses, because that's what we had. <laughs> right. And we had a white priestess based on, you know, white goddess. Mm -hmm. We had a white priestess, um, not a red priestess, but a green priestess, because she had a green dress. I love it, there you go. <laughs> and a black priestess, that was mm -hmm. easy. Mm -hmm. I happened to be the white priestess in, in that. I had a white dress. <laughs> and we, we did the ritual, and it was really great and, and it worked really well and um, and then afterwards it was like wow that was so much fun let's do it again <laughs> so we, we my husband and I were accustomed to doing a party over at Angel Island with cakes of beer and stuff like that well mm -hmm. that you know spring that would be a great time to do a sabbat out there outside because oh, yeah. our first sabbat was in February which is when the class had to have it right. mm -hmm. and it was sort of cold and not but you know outdoors hey you know witches are supposed to run around outside <laughs> and, you know. so we did it and wow that felt really neat mm-hmm 
Uh, I think we did a small one there, and then we did another one. My parents lived in Mill Valley and had a big redwood ring in the front yard. Oh, wow. And I suppose it was like really, truly one of the largest redwood rings I've ever seen. And when I was, you know, eight or nine, I used to just go out there and uh, be in the trees. Mm -hmm. And so for me, kind of worshiping trees is like almost visceral. Mm -hmm. And, And being inside that, that was a cathedral. And I was really fortunate to get my second marriage have have that happen inside that living cathedral in the yard there so we did like another Sabbat and this one we did like much more organized and we invited people we had about 30 people and we did it in this redwood ring and uh, my mother had a, a Chinese altar table, which she let us drag down into the oh, front wow. yard. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Santee. <laughs> I have it now. <laughs> um, and so we dragged it out into the yard and set it up with, you know, all the accoutrements of mm-hmm. witchy things. And we had a wonderful Sabbath, a wonderful time, and sat around and, and said, this is great. So basically we decided, this is so great, let's do it every Sabbat. Mm-hmm. You know? So we started doing the eight Sabbats, and that was in 1968. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, and by the end of 68, I had my first kid. Mm-hmm. Um, we were going strong. I moved. We, we started doing monthly full moons mm-hmm. and really kind of turning ourselves into a core group coven and an outer group coming to the Sabbaths. <coughs> and that particular tradition is called Nurug, New Reformed Orthodox Order of the Golden Dawn. <laughs> kind of what the name was a joke, which I really got stuck with it all these years. And I had been reading about the Golden Dawn, and we talked about them. We thought we saw them as our um, spiritual ancestors. Mm-hmm. And it, only we were going to do magic... Um, like them, like the Golden Dawn, only we're going to do it, like, right. <laughs> That's the new reform part. Oh. Not, not, not get all caught up I in the I hear another rectification not, coming. Yeah, well, we weren't going to get caught up in the ceremonial stuff. We, uh-huh. we did pretty much a very Wiccan type of thing. Uh-huh. We did have Gerald Gardner's books, and we uh-huh. had all of the sources that were available at that time, which uh-huh. fortunately wasn't that many. It wasn't so overwhelming. Now it was uh-huh. just totally confusing. It was very simple then. You just had 20 books to read, and there you go. Right. And you and yeah, and it sounds like you evolved the structure between your core group of, of folks that were participating here. So you all had a piece of ownership attached to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And, and basically, I've always been in a consensus environment because mm-hmm. that that's really the best way for things right. to work. That's mm-hmm. where you see your synergy coming from. Yeah, right. and, and you know, basically it started out just hanging out and talking together. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. as you talk things through, things develop, and people get brainstorms, and creative activities mm-hmm. happen. So Narugd went on, and moving forward, uh, from Narugd, we got involved, one of our people got involved in organizing uh, a legal church out of witchcraft mm-hmm. called Covenant of the Goddess. Mm. Ah, okay. Cog. Cog. <laughs> and I'm one of the founders of Cog. Mm-hmm. In fact, I put up the money, partly half the money, for the lawyer. My father was a lawyer. He said, you don't need all this incorporation stuff. But they wanted it, so they did. Mm -hmm. So after some years, um, Cog was, let's see, what what is the timeline here? The next signal event, as far as, you know, my magical working would be 
Well, I was involved with COG. I was also involved, I became involved with the OTO, which was mm -hmm. Crowley's organization, the Ceremonial Magic. Like the idea that they were doing planetary rituals. I really mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. uh, doing ritual uh, theater, mm -hmm. basically. And ritual and dressing up in costumes, just like I did when I was five. <laughs> <laughs> so, so working with the, the planetary, uh, they called them the Rites of Eleusis, mm -hmm. though Narugd had been doing a actual Greek reconstruction of the Demeter Kore myth uh, that, that we do every autumn equinox, mm -hmm. most years, not every year. Mm -hmm. So being involved with that, that was um, kind of fulfilling that part of myself that had gotten diverted when we did witchcraft and going back to the grimoires and that ceremonial magic side of myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I really still am very active in that. In fact, thinking of getting a book more <laughs> about that recently. Mm -hmm. And so becoming a member of the OTO and, and associated with Aleister Crowley, the Great Beast, <laughs> right. horrified some of my witchy cog friends. Mm, and I was delighted I to see that eventually they realized I hadn't grown horns and <laughs> I was still the same old one. And they become accustomed to the fact that there was another part of the community, mm -hmm. and the witches and, and ceremonial magicians of the OTO, actually some of them talk to each other. Oh. In many parts of the country, this is not true. Oh. Yeah. I've always been a mixer upper of <laughs> things, as you'll probably gather later in the story. <laughs> it happened that COG had a grand council that once a year everybody would meet and it was time, the first 10 years or so, all the, the yearly meetings were in the Bay Area, but as mm -hmm. we got members in other parts of the country, the, the Grand Council started moving around the country, and it came back to California in 1983 or four, mm -hmm. three maybe, thereabouts. And it was our turn, and so the festival I didn't want to be the chair of it because I was local first officer of our local COG group. I but I wanted to do the logistics. I said, mm -hmm. "You guys, you know, do the contract and you know." So I kind of pushed some other people. Like, <laughs> well, why don't you two do that? <laughs> it's like, I'll I'll do all the ops and mm -hmm. practical stuff. I didn't really want to be the figurehead because that's just too big of a target actually. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so uh, Greg and Shireen did that, and they organized the first that festival mm -hmm. and that festival had different names each year at different places mm -hmm. and it was called the Ancient Ways Festival oh. that year. Mm -hmm. Hence the name Ancient Ways and the logo of the Triple Moons uh, showed up at that uh, that festival. Mm -hmm. And the next year it was time for it to move on so it moved to a different part of the country and it was sort of a avoid here. It's like, well, we don't have a festival of our own like the Midwest does. You know, there was Pagan Spirit Gathering and, and uh, various Midwestern things that had been going on for 10 years, but we didn't have anything here. So I, so I said, well, I'll just continue doing it like a big party. So <laughs> the, the, the first Ancient Ways Festival was about 450 
Mm-hmm. And the second Angel Oys Festival, I just did it myself. And, you know, I typed things up on a archaic computer <laughs> and my Capro, and we printed Fun. out things and did, um, you know, had a really small mailing. Mm-hmm. So only about 200 people came. Basically, they were all my friends. That's Basically, still sizable. That's a, the same that's kind a big of party. Yeah, well, that's the same numbers we were getting at our Sabbaths at, oh, okay. at various points in the room when there weren't any. See, now there's like to- dozens of Sabbaths going on, but at one point, Naruved had the one and only Sabbaths. And so we would, at a, at a Christmas, we would have 200 people wow. at a Yule. Mm-hmm. And it was like huge. And it was kind of a relief when the pressure got off and there was other groups. And now right. sometimes mm-hmm. the groups come together and join together, but it, it's a different complexion. Mm-hmm. And so I was accustomed to working in rituals with 200 people right. and that that was just so it was kind of like just us folks and so 200 people and you know then basically once I get started doing things I don't quit so <laughs> I just you know so we this is the 24th year of the wow. ancient ways festival this year mm-hmm. Fantastic. at this year I've basically taken a step back and there's a committee now running it mm-hmm. and basically it's been kind of like just my baby and I just you know I'm, you know, I'm ready to move on. Mm-hmm. With having the conference too, it's really too much for me to be doing heading up two mm-hmm. big events. Major events. Major. Particularly so yeah. close in time. Yeah, yeah, and it makes it really hard, you know, to have a breather. So I'm ready for a little break in that. Mm-hmm. Besides, I want to do some writing and things. <laughs> Early on, did you have trouble finding locations for the various Sabbaths and the festival itself? That was actually we were very lucky to get the the find Harbin. Harbin right. People looked around. I mean, people kind of hippie places. I mean, mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. it was very difficult. We have looked for the last twenty year, four years for a, a better location, either because we needed something that was more private mm-hmm. or something that was less hot or you know any any number of reasons. Uh, at one point, we thought we'd outgrown it, but then we shrank again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The um, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, um, the festival is at Harbin Hot Springs in Northern California, and it's really quite a beautiful place. But I can see how it might be a little cozy when once you get above a certain number of people all camping out and communing together. Well, at this point, it's back down to the just the core group, mm-hmm. you know, the way I think of it. And it's back down to about 250 to 300. So it's under it's 300. It's very comfortable. It practically runs itself, mm-hmm. and, which is good because I haven't paid much attention to it the last couple of years. <laughs> and this year you have the committee too. So. Yeah. Well, actually, the thing is, is the committee is the staff. And mm-hmm. basically the staff just ran it. So what, what do you need me for except right. for, you know, a few... Well, that's, a few know, executive decisions. I'm learning how to, you know, <laughs> let go. Mm-hmm. Wow. And that's the process for that. Mm-hmm. But the, so the Ancient Ways Festival um, continued. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I headed it up, and, you know, it just sort of grew, and friends would become, uh, you know, department heads and run, you know, the security and various things. And a lot of, a lot of it I just ran myself. Mm-hmm. But, you know, eventually people would just sort of float into the areas where it looked like it needed help. Then um, the COG... Covenant of the Goddess, their Grand Council uh, adopted a permanent name, Merrymead. Mm-hmm. And so basically the name Ancient Ways, and I think they adopted that name almost a year or two after the Ancient Ways Festival. Mm-hmm. So basically they, the, the name and logo had been abandoned. Mm. And so, well, 
Okay. <laughs> so I, I took it and, you know, continued the festival. During that time, actually all during that time, I happened to have had a friend who worked at a store in San Francisco called Curios and Candles. Yes. And I did readings there. Mm-hmm. While I was working as a school teacher, I think I had <laughs> right. I'd go over after school mm-hmm. uh, and do readings there, and then after I got laid off there, I started uh, working at the store mm. and doing readings at the store. Mm-hmm. And in fact, uh, a good friend of mine who was a gypsy who did readings there, her name is Anastasia, <laughs> <laughs> and she lives up in Sonoma. Kind of anyway. She was very, you know, good friend, and she and I uh, did Renaissance Fair Tarot reading <laughs> together. Mm-hmm. I would do all the organization stuff, and and she would, you know, come along with me. Mm-hmm. And she got a sign made and things like that. So we we teamed up together for a while mm-hmm. till she moved away. Then um, at one point, I was talking to the owner of Curios and Candles, Mark. And, oh, you know, we. Um, he was sort of thinking about opening another store in Oakland. Uh, well, yeah, maybe to be partners together. You know? mm-hmm. so we were discussing that, and it was sort of like, well, he would make all the decisions, and I would do what? All the work? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, no, wait. wait. That doesn't seem quite right. <laughs> so I've been married, and I know how a partnership works. It means you work together. You know, mm-hmm. so, but not somebody makes all the decisions. No, no. Right. That right. doesn't work for me. And actually... Uh, at the time, uh, my mother had sold her house, and so she had some money, and basically she was my silent partner. Oh. I decided that, you know, so she gave me the money, basically, mm-hmm. to rent this place and stagger along for <laughs> I was also working um, as a, an adult school teacher oh in convalescent homes at the time, so I had enough money to, to eke by on mm-hmm. without having to actually make a living off the store for the first year. And after a few years, I quit teaching um, and just did the store. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's always good to have kind of a day job. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we will all agree with that. Yeah. It's, so it's nice to have a money coming in thing. Mm-hmm. So opening opening the store was like a big step, and, mm-hmm. and that was really neat. Um, mm-hmm. My husband, Lon, worked here with me for a while. One of my daughters worked here with me. Mm-hmm. Many, many of my friends over the years, I mean, it's now the store is 18 years old. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, um, I don't know, a large number of friends work here. I, in fact, I don't really like hiring people that aren't already friends. <laughs> it's like, why would I want to work with them if I wouldn't want to be right. friends with them? Mm-hmm. People say you're not supposed to do that, but, you know, there's been some awkward situations, but... I think it's great. Basically, it's kind of a mom-and-pop type of store. (laughs) Well, you've been successful for the 18 years, so you found a formula that works for you. Yeah, yeah. 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 And you have some of the coolest stuff available in the whole area. Yeah, Yeah, I like cool stuff. And this way, I don't have too cluttered a house. (laughs) (laughs) You can just have it in the store and enjoy it. and Yeah. That's actually a brilliant idea. I'll have to keep that in mind. (laughs) And I have a really wide-ranging interest in... Uh, various kinds of spiritual traditions. I mean, not only am I interested in uh, Wicca and ceremonial magic, but I've had some involvement with Mbanda, which is the Orisha, mm-hmm. uh, Brazilian Orisha tradition. Mm-hmm. 
So it's easier for us to start having Santeria supplies. Ooh. And so we have like all the Greek, Egyptian things. I've Norse stuff I'm not as knowledgeable in as some other areas, but mm -hmm. I'm probably know a little bit more about Orishas than I do Norse. <laughs> Uh, and then, of course, with all the divination, which doesn't look very big on the shelf right now with our book area, but uh, I've had, like, interest in palmistry. Mm -hmm. Oh, the story about palmistry, how I got into palmistry. <laughs> My friend Anastasia and I had this booth at Renfair, and her boyfriend made a sign that showed a big hand with five tarot cards, one above each hand, and it said readings, you know, five, ten, fifteen dollars. Interesting. I said, oh, okay, do you do palm readings, Anastasia? And she said, no, I refuse to do them. Her mother was a gypsy, like, big deal. Uh -huh. And she did not, for some reason, she would not do any palm readings. I said, why did you make a sign that had a palm <laughs> on it? I said, I can barely read palms. I've been looking at my palms since I found that book in the library at 15. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've been reading palmistry books all mm -hmm. these years. And here she made this damn sign. <laughs> <laughs> and yet so guess who had to do the palm readings yeah. that would be you I started out with five dollar palm readings because uh -huh. that's all I knew <laughs> and I basically read every palm I could you know have stand still and you know <laughs> shake hands with and mm -hmm. read uh, and I got pretty good so now you know I, I do a very classical reading I don't do the psychic type of reading and mm -hmm. some people can I've talked to other palmists who um think that they can see changes in two weeks in somebody's palm. Wow. Oh, gee, their eyes must be better than mine. I just don't <laughs> see that. So I don't see that much change happening. But there's different styles. Right. And, and some people just hold your hand. They don't even look at your palm and call it a palm reading. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of gypsy palm reading that Anastasia didn't really want to do. Mm -hmm. Basically, somebody... And that's perfectly valid. You could do... Mm -hmm. But it would be more like... A psychic reading, right? Know, right, exactly. Or something, you know, yeah. just touch them and read. Mm -hmm. So that that's a um, a side thing that just sort of happened, and mm -hmm. so I do palmistry readings. Most people really want to know about love and money, you know. Yeah. That's the cards are really better for. But mm -hmm. occasionally, somebody will walk in, they really want to know about palmistry and mm -hmm. have a great time. I somebody going over to the Gulf, I, I gave her. Um, uh, Instead of doing uh, tarot readings in there, we turned on the light and we looked at the palm, or mm. at the cards, actually, mm -hmm. and I gave her uh, a whole tutorial in tarot reading, and I've done that with tutorials with palm readings mm -hmm. for people. Rather than having just an individual class come up here in the back of the store, right. uh, sometimes it's easier, a person needs the information now, they don't want to wait right. for mm -hmm. themselves mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. So then you started the store. So I started and the store. You woke up one day and said, I think I'll do a West Coast Pagan Gathering. <laughs> or well, was that more of a serendipitous thing, like starting the Ancient Waste Festival at Harbin? Actually, what happened was, it, it's sort of like the way I learned to row. Mm -hmm. Illness has a very important part in my history. You know, being, being six for six months and bedridden for six months you know, with hepatitis and reading the tarot really got me into it. Mm -hmm. uh, what happened in 1990 was I had um, gallbladder disease oh. and I had pancreatitis and I was like sick in the hospital yeah. for uh, 
no food, no water on IV lines. I practically died type of thing. Oh my gosh. Um, finally, they were able to take the damn stones out that mm -hmm. were plugging up the mm. plumbing. Mm -hmm. And then I recovered. Mm -hmm. And I basically had gotten kind of bedridden again, just being that much sick and that much in the hospital. And mm -hmm. um, Well, so I had to stay home. I didn't have the energy to come in and work at the store. And I had a really good friend who was, you know, really working at the store to help manage it to mm -hmm. get it by. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> well, the thing is about me sitting around at home alone, I get bored really mm -hmm. easy. Mm -hmm. And, you know... I really like talking on the phone, so I started thinking about, well, what if I just call some of my friends and we set up, I've been going to Baycon, a science fiction convention, what if we set up something like a science fiction convention only for magic? And what, all I'll do is I'll just phone all my old friends, like Starhawk or, you know, whoever is various traditions, you know, ceremonial magic and witchcraft, and let's just see what we can do. And so the first... PantheaCon, and I named that very consciously, Pan meaning all, mm -hmm. Thea being the feminine form of Theos, for mm -hmm. gods, mm -hmm. <clears throat> and Con for conference. So, with some, you know, kind of moral support from my friend Kitty and Don, uh, started that conference, and mm -hmm. Saber, who is now head of Ops, yes. was probably in her 20s at that point, mm -hmm. right? It's been over yeah, 13 yeah. years She's this year. So, so she was there and being the head of ops, and with only 200 people, it kind of ran itself. And mm -hmm. we had registration. That was pretty straightforward. We had little card files and, you know, you, yeah. you know three by five cards for the <laughs> registration. Right, uh-huh. Yes, yeah. it's only 200 people, no big deal. Mm -hmm. And that worked fine. And that place we outgrew the first year with a little place in San Jose. I kind of forget which one it was. And we moved to Oakland uh, Marriott, mm -hmm. and that didn't work. We outgrew that too fast. And then we went to uh, the Cathedral Hill in San Francisco, right. and that was great. You know, we, we that was really nice to be near public transit. Mm -hmm. People came. It was really, really, you know, became. Oh, is that the old Jack Tar? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. Yes. And and that was great, but then we we outgrew it, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it was became clear. Mm -hmm. And also, the current place we're at, the DoubleTree, is where the uh, Baycon Science Fiction Convention has been for the last twenty five years. Mm -hmm. so right. that, that hotel was almost built with that kind of convention right, in mind. Right. Well, by then we were that big, mm -hmm. and Sabers head of ops and a lot of the staff is. Also, Baycon staff. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people oh, who like to run conferences. Right. There's lots of crossover. Right. You get to dress up both places and right, you know, right, right. hang out with your friends, yeah. do interesting yeah. things, oh, yeah. walk around with the radio. The radio is key. Yeah, they like that. I part. thought the costume here was cute. <laughs> actually you should see them on their off hours. They dress just the same. Yeah. <laughs> it's the radio. So, um, you know, being at the Double Tree, uh, I'm afraid we're almost outgrowing that. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, we are at a point now where the hotel sold out before the end of the year mm -hmm. that, yeah, that I, the Doubletree sold out mm -hmm. way earlier. Um, I have several overflow hotels mm -hmm. this year. Mm -hmm. I'm a lot more focused on that. Yeah, I, I booked year. my room in September just because, you know, it, last year there were so many people already the first of January going, can you share a room? Can I share a room? Can I share a room? Right. It's like, mm, no. <laughs> 
so it's like September. I'll just book in September. Here we go. That's a, that's the way to go. Mm -hmm. And the people who did that have rooms, and the people mm -hmm. who didn't are other places. Mm -hmm. Right. But you yeah. know they're fairly close. There's one hotel that's uh, you know only about six eight blocks away. Yeah, it's pretty close. Yeah, ten minute walk and yeah, uh, not a bad thing. Um, but no, but the Double Tree is such a good space for Pantheacon. Just the way the rooms are laid out, and, and just I've always enjoyed it when it's been there. And, and the th one of the things I like about Pantheacon is it's a great place to wear all those costumes I never get to wear <laughs> yes. any other time of year. Mm -hmm. you can, sometimes, uh, some years, I've like had maybe three or four costume changes mm -hmm. in the course of a day. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so I almost uh, one I really enjoyed it when I've radically changed my look so much that at one point somebody was looking for for me and they were standing right next to me and he was like, I'm looking for Glenna turned around where I was of course I was wearing this like uh, patent leather corset with <laughs> feathers oh, you're ready for the like yes <laughs> and uh, not how they're accustomed to seeing you right yeah. a, they did not recognize me right off mm -hmm. and then introduced me to the night manager of the hotel <laughs> <laughs> I remember a couple years ago you brought this great box of Egyptian costuming and you and Thalassa and Mary Greer were trying on these fabulous Egyptian headdresses. It's like, oh. can I keep this on the whole day? If I move my head, will it fall off? And I had a lot of fun with that. Was... Yeah, at one point, we actually had a costume section. I, I kind of got carried away when the Bob Mandel costume company closed, and I bought, like, way too many costumes. <laughs> <laughs> so one of these days, I'll bring them here and, like... Uh, lighten up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Some Let us those. know ahead of time. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll advertise it, but... There's, there's, I got some great, great costumes. Mm -hmm. Well, you must be pretty pleased with the overall growth of the event and how it's grown over the years. And, I mean, yeah. understanding that there's a certain logistical nightmare that goes along with, with <laughs> no, that actually, growth. No, actually, it's not a nightmare at all. Um, it, it's uh, kind of ridiculously easy, mm -hmm. strangely enough. And, you know, I hate to admit it because people mm -hmm. think it's like it's <laughs> this incredible feat of strength that I... Off. Yeah. You know. Well, having a good staff makes a lot of difference because yeah. I used to run events and it really, if you have good people who are in charge of things, there's just so much you don't have to worry about or think about. And you can focus on the things that you do have to think about, like, oh, a fire just broke out. Right. So, right. yeah. Well, the power went out because of the refrigerator. Oh, well, let's not talk about that. Well, you know, things like that. <laughs> Basically, you know, somebody else fixed that. So mm -hmm. that you know, you yeah. or I wouldn't fix that. No. Right. No. And mo most things, you know, mainly it's just keeping uh, keeping it in perspective. It's like, oh well, you know, the the electricity went out. You know, they'll, they'll put it back on pretty soon. You know, it's like they might have been around and chat in the hotel. You know, or I did a misprint and things. I hate it when I do, you know, mistakes. And mm -hmm. one of the things I have sort of like a meditation on is like. Oh, I made another mistake. I wrote the wrong thing in the you know newsletter about somebody who isn't going to be there, and I said they were. Or mm -hmm. Somebody's day and time is like not quite right because something you know mm -hmm. all those little things, and it was sort of like, well, you know, you'll never make any mistakes if you never do anything. Right. Mm -hmm. But you know, if you do as many things as I do, of course there's going to be some mistakes. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just sort of statistically reasonable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, oh, that mistake. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, 
So when when you first did Pantheacon, did you ever think that, gosh, someday this is going to be an event with 1,500 people walking through the door? Was that your intent? Actually, 2,000. Last year we did hit 2,000? Yeah. And this year and, and it was beginning close, to look but, uh, like, I'm guessing 2,300. Well, so have you done any intentional growth on this, or has this all been people no. go, they like it, they come back and bring a friend? Something like that. That's amazing. It, in fact, I, I do zero advertising. And the only I do for it, wow. no newspaper advertising. I did that at first, mm -hmm. but it, at this point I'm thinking, wow, it's almost too big. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you know, I'm sure we can move to a bigger place, and, you know, I'm, I'm actually... <laughs> Like I need more to do, but I've actually started <laughs> thinking of, well, you know, I could do some more focused area things, mm -hmm. and and we are developing uh, like Ardentine uh, Witch School from Arizona. They're doing a one day seminar on Thursday, hmm. pre previous prior to, to it, mm -hmm. prior right. to it. So, and and I think that's that having it be almost like having modules mm -hmm. uh, around it maybe before and after mm -hmm. it and things like yeah. that to somehow spread it uh, out more. You know, it works great for technical conferences. But, you know, it's, yeah. it's, they, they divide them up by tracks and days. And, well, you we know, do that. Yeah, yeah. And, and but just, you know, it's like, okay, on this day is all the pre-conference workshops on, you know, this bizarre esoteric technical subject mm -hmm. and and so that way some people come early and then you know some people come Thursday and leave Sunday and then some people come Friday and leave Monday and, and kind of staggers through and that that might be <laughs> a way to go you know that, that mm -hmm. way to, I've also been thinking of maybe just sort of uh, topically oriented just like one of the thing interesting things is, is comparing the Pantheacon with the Angel Ways Festival mm -hmm. I thought that oh well Thirteen years ago, the festival was about thirteen years old itself. Um, I'll just advertise the festival, and the festival will grow because of all the advertising of the people going from Pantheacon to the festival. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That didn't happen. Oh. I truly thought that that would happen. Mm -hmm. What happened was is that people, you know, we get older, camping, <laughs> you know, bugs and dirt, sun mm -hmm. and dirt. And, well, Harbin's nice because of the people. Oh, so. yeah. But actually, as the, as the population has aged, I mean, that's also happened in 13 years, too. Right. Mm -hmm. And 18 years and 24 years. Mm -hmm. Right. Since the festival started 24 years ago, those of us who are people who are 25 are now 50. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and, you know, camping, having your, you know, air mattress go flat and <laughs> things like that, you know, it makes it rough camping sometimes. Mm -hmm. So basically, people like started. The older people started going, "Whoa, beds and hotel rooms and showers, and <laughs> nice." So I think what's happened is is that the age range for the festival has stayed about the same. Mm -hmm. People who kind of forced themselves to go to the festival because it was the only place they could meet with other mm -hmm. people. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Well, I set up the biggest competition under the sun, right? To of your own other <laughs> festival, right? right. So. The festival is wonderful for what it is. I mean, you can be sky clad under the stars, mm -hmm. and you know, uh, hang out around fires and just be outdoors and really, you know, that's nature is really trees, you know, my cathedral. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you know, hotel is a hotel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I I really like the festival, but that's me. I'm kind of a naturist, and you know, okay, I'm outdoorsy. Mm -hmm. But most people my age are not really going to the festival that much. Mm -hmm. And they are going to Pantheacon. 
And then there's a whole lot of Generation X people who just don't want to take their clothes off and go into a hot tub. Mm. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> yeah. and that's that's you know it's almost like a cultural change that's mm -hmm. happening. Kind of the more hippie headset of those of us 25 years ago. Hey, no problem. We'll go skinny dipping. Mm -hmm. But it's you know just the the trends have changed a little bit. You don't can't quite picture goth people you know cavorting. In the natural, right. you know, <laughs> there's no. not enough sunscreen for that. There's not enough sunscreen. Yeah, well, <laughs> you've peeled their covers too. So. Yeah, and and you know, it's it's the costume is more than just an appearance. Right, it's, right. It's, it's all about their presentation. Yeah. Well, you know, if everything has its uh, season, mm -hmm. and if so, PantheaCon actually, there are people who go, oh, it's so indoors and this and that. I don't know if I like it. Even the people, the really diehard naturist types, you know, still mm -hmm. can get together and enjoy PantheaCon, mm -hmm. even if it isn't as nature as, as they would like. Mm -hmm. And I would love to have a location where we could have an outdoor ritual space right. oh, in February. Fabulous. That would be kind of wet, but you know, yes. it might be good. Uh, might be possible. Mm -hmm. well, it'd be authentic, like it was in the British Isles. <laughs> that you know. <laughs> So having so basically the the, the Pantheon really took on you know I think all of these events and all cultural things take on a life of their own. Mm -hmm. It's like witchcraft, you know. It was really fun for us to do, you know, with our friends back in '68, <laughs> and you know it sort of took on a life as its own, became a religion and everything. Mm -hmm. It's like whoa. They and the conference is the same way, and I think what I like about the conference is that. For us in the Bay Area, it kind of fits with my Bay Area mindset, mm -hmm. which is mm -hmm. mix it all together. I mean, truly, we are, you know, diversity is the spice of life. And that by having, you know, a, a tracks of uh, Orishas, we still haven't gotten any Santeria folks to come and go to the Pantheacon, but mm -hmm. maybe some of them. But we have like uh, Orisha tracks with the Yoruba style, we have Banda and Egyptian. And ceremonial magic of various, you know, druids and mm -hmm. witches and uh, Norse and heathen and and general pagan for everybody. And who's general not pagan. Oh, it's a wide range. Something. It's a wide range. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When I was was filling out my form this year and it was you know, which which tradition are you? It's like I think it's just general and it's not a specific. <laughs> but it's like there are so many options, and then there was a place where you could write in other if. If you didn't fit any of these seventeen categories, or however many there were, yeah, well, because you, you are having just you are having so many classes that it's really a challenge having to pick what you like <laughs> in a certain track yeah. on a certain day at a certain time. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, once you pick up your program, there's a quandary that you're immediately thrust into. Yeah, um, well, this is why you start checking I mean, out the program as soon as they load it on the website. Yeah. Because then, then you have more time to agonize yeah. about it. <laughs> and it is loaded on the website. I've checked it out. Yes, it, yes. Is. No, it is. I have checked it out too. Yes. Yes, it um, is, and yeah. wow, it's uh, so many options. And what's what's really neat is that other parts of the country, though, don't necessarily have the intercommunication right. that we have, mm -hmm. and so I really like the idea that you know the Norse and heathen and Yoruba and Wiccan and ceremonial people are all hanging out and having parties nearby, and mm -hmm. they're just sort of like, oh yeah, you know. So now the OTO has a suite of its own. Uh, at the conference, mm -hmm. and just nearby is the COG suite, mm -hmm. and you know they're just right nearby, and it's mm -hmm. like, well, that's fine, you know, yeah. and nobody even thinks twice about it. Yeah. Whereas when I joined 
OTO, it was like, oh my god, she's gone <laughs> right. to the dark side. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that is one of the great things about Pantheacon is a number of the groups have hospitality suites and they have functions in their suites and you can go right. and just check it out and meet people and you know pick up their glossy brochures and you know, talk about it and, and it's a great way to learn about a lot of stuff and to meet people who actually you know it's not some just some you know basic academic book that you can read and right. you go oh, I have an intellectual understanding but you talk to people who live and breathe it and it's so much more meaningful it gives so you the experience of actually meeting and, folks who are practicing that particular right. and, discipline and even if you don't like want to talk to them you can look at them nobody's biting anybody there, there's um, lots to look at really if you just look at people you can tr get a tremendous amount of information about them just mm -hmm. people watching mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. yeah. right just really get a feel of like that group mm -hmm. versus that group mm -hmm. well one of the best things is when you're just completely overstimulated it's, I love sitting by the fireplace in the lobby in one of those nice wing chairs and just curling up with a cup mm -hmm. of something warm and non-caffeinated and just watching people go by. And it's fat. It's like, this is great. Can I just, I'll just like stay here. It's, no, but then I'll miss my next class. And it's Actually, interesting a to miss, few people do that. They mm -hmm. will not register for the conference. Mm -hmm. They will just go sit in the public area and mm -hmm. watch people. Mm -hmm. And they used to be they could easily sneak into the party, so we kind of made that harder by yeah. checking badges and mm -hmm. stuff. But they can still do that, and, and people can still go shopping at the vendor area and sit and people watch to their heart's content, mm -hmm. and we never see them in our records. Right. So I have no idea how many people do that. Mm -hmm. oh. I would guess that it's certainly 20 people, mm -hmm. at least, and maybe you know mm -hmm. some more. I have no idea. Yeah. There's a couple of people that I see every year, and they don't have badges on, but they're there, and they're usually about in the same spot. They like find their little spot and camp there, mm -hmm. and it's the same year to year. And you know, but they don't give off a creepy vibe, so it's right. okay. No, no, they're just, just like observing. But it's like you don't want to. You want to go up and say, you know, why don't you come in, participate? But you know, it might frighten them. You know. Well, you know, it, it's so. like having a certain. You know, at the festival, we we often would have people from Harbinside come, sneak into our rituals and stand mm -hmm. in our rituals. Usually, they stand next to me. I don't know why that these people are sneaking in. Mm -hmm. No, uh, beat or anything. And it was like, finally, you know. It still bothers me, actually, but finally, I finally just realized that it was well, you know, sneaking in under the tent in the in the circus. <laughs> yes, mm -hmm. so you're sneaking in, but if, next year you might come on your own. Right, right, right. So right. Yeah. To be a party of, to really be a part of it. Yeah. You know, so sneaking in, maybe it has a certain glamour for people. Yeah. Do you have a um, a particular highlighted guest that's coming at this particular Pantheon? No, and I never do, okay. because part of my philosophy, actually it's yes and no, but no is the official right. one, because everybody is a particular special featured guest. Even the person who is 22 years old has their brand new shiny website about Wicca, and they're going to come down to the Bay Area and tell everybody about it. Mm -hmm. and they may have something really great to say. Mm -hmm. And so anyone who, you know, who is willing to pull together a workshop, if it has, you know, sounds decent enough, mm -hmm. we'll mm -hmm. let them go. And occasionally we'll get complaints like, who was that idiot who, you know, <laughs> didn't know what they were doing and, and et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And yes, there will be a few of those. But yes, there is an important place for that. That idiot may end up writing a fantastic right. book mm -hmm. in order to make up for the fact that they couldn't do 
the workshop right. Mm -hmm. or, and they may not be great presenters, but they have interesting information. Right, or on the other hand, you have a particular uh, presenter who's never presented, but they bring a topic. I attended one that was just on gemstones. And the presenter, she didn't feel that she had a strong enough presentation, but it was standing room only, and they wanted to know if she was presenting again that's, that, that okay. same. Oh, that day, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. 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 Right. So, but it was fascinating, and, mm -hmm. and she stayed and answered all the questions, and mm -hmm. uh, it was, um, I mean, people on the floor, people standing on the back, it was just loaded. I heard about that yeah. one. She's in yeah. a bigger room this year. Oh, <laughs> excellent, excellent. <laughs> uh, yeah, she'll probably need a mic. Yeah. But it's one of the things that I really like about PenpeaCon is the presenters are all very approachable. Mm -hmm. they, right. they, oh, yes. They, yeah. know, they do yeah. the presentation. They have generally a Q&A at the end of it if it's a lecture discussion. Um, but they're available, and as long as you're not interrupting their lunch or something, you know, have some tact and sense. But you know, you you can go up to somebody and say, you know, I really enjoyed your workshop. Is now a good time? Could I ask you a question about it? Yeah, yeah. And every time I have done that, they have been gracious and charming and answered my question. I've had some fabulous discussions with some of the presenters. Yeah. And actually, uh, you know, a presenter who was haughty and and weird probably wouldn't get invited back. No. Okay. You know, be, just because. High maintenance, haughty presenters, even famous writer presenters. Mm -hmm. If they're like that, generally speaking, you know, they get eased out. And mm -hmm. there have been a few people in the history of the con who, who are like that, who are just too mm -hmm. full of themselves that mm -hmm. uh, they insist on people kissing their feet. Well, you know, real life isn't like that. Yeah. Some of the people going to be there, though, this year are like Margot Adler, who wrote a book about <gasps> paganism many years ago. Oh, the first oh. ones. And, you know, she's kind of an old friend room. of mine. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, you know, when she, in her, I'm in her book, her first book, and, well, the, the book, and... Oh, my God, it's... Okay, it, it's, I'm going to turn into 14-year-old gushing fangirl for just a minute here. Oh, my God, it's Margot Adler! Okay, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> and she wrote a fantastic book, Drawing Down the Moon, in case Anastasia didn't quite pronounce it quite so well. It is a wonderful book, actually. And yeah. I'm in it, too. And you're, oh, it's <laughs> well, you know, and, and, and here I am sitting here talking to you. I, I read that book when it first came out, and I was somewhat younger and very impressionable. It's like, oh, these people are so amazing. Maybe someday I'll get to meet them. I have well, no idea. Well, the, the story about how Naruk started <laughs> uh -huh. is in there. Uh, Aiden, who was much more articulate than I, was she interviewed him a lot more mm -hmm. than me. At mm -hmm. the time, I had two, you know, toddler-type kids, you mm -hmm. know, oh my gosh, yeah. uh, at my elbow, so mm -hmm. I didn't... I don't sound as uh, articulate as I think I can do today. <laughs> you know, mo mothers of toddlers report this <laughs> as part of the the process of having kids. Right, right. Mm. So yeah, she had me down there as Glenna Turner because at that point I was tired of. I changed my name to Glenna mm -hmm. when I was in the SCA a little bit, and just mm. for like about five years. So people who knew me just about nineteen. Uh, 70s, you know, early 70s, knew me by Glenna, oh. but Glenna's always been my name, and mm -hmm. so after a while I'm going, Glenn's really my name, why don't I just be Glenn? It's a hassle, but it's my name, right? right. So I'm just going to have my name, even mm -hmm. if it's a hassle. Mm -hmm. So that's why my name kind of varies a little bit, mm -hmm. that, that scribal, you know. Mm -hmm. Okay. So other people besides Margot, she's mm -hmm. this is the first time her first Pantheacon, mm -hmm. oh, and I she's going to do a couple of things, and mm -hmm. she really has no idea what it's going to be like. <laughs> I, I can hardly wait to see her reaction because <laughs> she's it's really different. You mm -hmm. know, I, I think she's going to be amazed. Mm -hmm. and then Isaac Bonowitz uh, came last year, he and so he'll be good. here again this year. Oh, wonderful! 
Uh, we may have to skip them at some point. You always want your audience <laughs> wanting more. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, this year we have. Um, I'm afraid I'll. Of course, I'll leave somebody out. But we, you know, Mary Greer is mm -hmm. like regularly, mm -hmm. and she's yes. wonderful. She does tour readings at the, the vendor room. She's always very low maintenance, very regular, normal people. Mm -hmm. Don Craig, very good guy. Mm -hmm. uh, ceremonial magic. One um, of the ones I enjoyed last year was T. Thorn Coyle. Um, she her is, Black Heart. Oh, it was just fabulous. Just she phenomenal. She has gotten so many good reviews, and she's a good writer. Mm -hmm. She's got a lot of books out now. She, I mean, she is. I didn't, I didn't know about her writings. It was meeting her personally and seeing her capture that entire room. And it was a full banquet style room that she filled. And for, I think it was a 90 minute session, she just really enthralled the entire crowd. In the feedback forms, this, this, this is maybe her third year presenting at PantheaCon. Okay. In her first year, um, I don't know where she was before that, but she never like presented. And then suddenly, it was like out of maybe a hundred feedback forms, maybe thirty of them, one third mm -hmm. would mention something that she had done as oh, their wow. favorite okay. thing. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it was okay. like I, I would literally sit there. Maybe it was only twenty, but you know, I would sit there and mark who gets what. Mm -hmm. You know, at one point I was being right. very Virgo about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Scoring, you Can't know. Can't help yourself. Which, which group, you know, just a name. Just mm -hmm. every time the name came up, so mm -hmm. I would know who who was really coming sure. Sure. off. Mm -hmm. And she, year after year, has had, you know, superlative presentation oh, fabulous. Uh, reviews. Yeah, she's great. Uh, Orion Foxwood mm -hmm. came. Um, he's a friend of R.J. Stewart. Mm -hmm. oh, R.J. Okay. Stewart's coming again. Mm -hmm. uh, They've become regulars. We have uh, Raven Gramasi, who mm. also has come to the festival, mm -hmm. and he's, you know, an, a good friend. Become mm -hmm. uh, Louise Atish is coming again. Oh, yay. Um, she's I a customer her. here at the store, mm -hmm. and you know, she's, she's like wonderful. basically an old friend at mm -hmm. this point. Mm -hmm. Z Budapest is coming again. Mm -hmm. We have a very large uh, women's only even rituals mm. oh. one women's only ritual mm -hmm. uh, we have a, a very strong feminist track some mm -hmm. years we have like hardly anything mm -hmm. and other years we have this year it's like a lot mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that that's a real strong presence mm -hmm. uh, Z's kind of decided she likes it and she's staying longer and okay. Okay. more days and her, her groups are kind of coming together and a lot of groups um, have well, a I find it very rewarding. There's a Greek um, internet email list. Or, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They got that together last year at Pantheacon so they oh. could coordinate themselves, all the Greek mm -hmm. uh, reconstructionists, mm -hmm. so that they could do stuff this year at Pantheacon oh, in a concerted way and be a real you know, Greek reconstructionist mm -hmm. right. presence. How wonderful. And it's like, I did that. Mm -hmm. I Pantheacon spurred these people to communicate mm -hmm. something wonderful is going to come out of the fact that that group of people all got together and are working together mm -hmm. as a result of wanting to show their stuff at right. Pantheacon. Mm -hmm. Same thing happened with the OTO a bit this year for mm -hmm. the first time. Uh, well, they're trying a new experiment of doing their central ritual, the Gnostic Mass, like pretty much all the time. Hmm. Uh, so smaller groups they felt was, were better for that. Mm -hmm. And so different groups are like really coming together 
to uh, and and I think the the women's group same thing mm -hmm. you know Z's there but then Holly Tannen and uh, Ruth Barrett uh, both of them are, are they're uh, dulcimer players musicians mm -hmm. and singers so there'll be like a really strong musical thing mm -hmm. and there's some you know sometimes I'll feel like you know we need a stronger women's presence so I got Max Dasha to come and show her slides uh, and. Maybe her stuff and with Z coming regularly, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. it just sort of snowballs. Mm -hmm. And there mm -hmm. is a certain snowball quality. Mm -hmm. Now, I think probably, you know, if I'm going to put on my, um, you know, my crystal ball and uh, <laughs> <laughs> divine the future. Well, you have one around here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I have one in the reading room. <laughs> Good prop. I think eventually what will happen is that the special interest groups conventions will happen mm -hmm. at either the weekend before or after mm -hmm. possible mm -hmm. or just separate at different times just after the ancient ways festival kept going then there was like elderflower women's only festival mm -hmm. there was twilight gathering which was sort of ceremonial this kind of ceased happening there, there was lots of spin-off festivals mm -hmm. uh, from it and and so that those groups would uh, want their own space, which right. is great, and and having bringing getting people to work together is mm -hmm. fun. Mm -hmm. One of the other components that uh, I thoroughly enjoyed last year was the yoga pieces that you added in. There were several um, introductory and intermediate yoga uh, sessions on each day, so it gave you an opportunity to kind of bring your body into your spirit um, and kind of separate from all the exposure learning and that sort of thing and get into an experiential feeling thing. Unfortunately this year we don't have as much dance and we, I think we only have one yoga presentation this mm -hmm. year. You know it, it's, it's random we just sort right. of open the gates and right. see what shows up mm -hmm. and this year we're light on yoga I assume some of the people who've done yoga in the past will go whoa gee they should have been more mm -hmm. but one year we had so much yoga that it was like really hard to manage it. Mm -hmm. So you, you just never know. We had like one year we had a different discordian ritual each <laughs> night. <laughs> the same thing, you know. Uh -huh. We we had a, a different druid group mm -hmm. doing a ritual mm -hmm. each day. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the druids numbers have um, there's not as many. So mm -hmm. I don't know. There, there's either the Things wax and wane. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, um, but it's always wonderful to when the program finally goes up and start looking through it. And it's like, okay, who's fair and when? And um, yeah, I haven't looked at the tracks section mm -hmm. of the program yet. Um, it just went up, and mm -hmm. I've been busy you know, getting the store newsletter out. Actually, <laughs> well, you better store. get on it. It's going to be here in three weeks. Now. <laughs> <laughs> no, the the newsletter's at the printer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, great. Um, Wonderful. Well, I have to say that. one of my favorite parts of coming to this festival is the fact that you offer the Ancient Ways Hospitality Suite, where people can get together from all these different groups and, and just take a minute and breathe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of nice to be able to see all of that. What made you decide to do that? Because I've not noticed that at other conventions as much. Actually, it's, it's the conference hospitality uh, suite. Mm -hmm. Uh, actually, Bacon has that. They, oh, okay. they have a, uh, they call it Con Suite. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's the the party room for the conference. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that 
that's kind of basically based on them. A lot of what, you know, at one point I was saying, I'm copying Bacon. Of course we can't possibly copy anything, you know, directly. I'm not a good enough artist. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and, and who'd want to? And, of course, you know, it, we customize it for ourselves. We have, oh, I think we have uh, eight, eight different hospitality suites. Mm -hmm. Or seven, anyway. Yeah, mm -hmm. seven out of ten. Mm -hmm. Wow. So we have right. a lot of, and then there's the party rooms. So mm -hmm. right. that took off. It took a long time to get pagans into that. We, mm -hmm. I kept trying to set things up, and you know, I'd talk about it, and <laughs> eventually, you know, after ten years, it kind of, you know, it's definitely working now. Right. Everybody well, I think Rose is it. correct. She touched on a point that with the hospitality suite, you're allowing uh, folks who are new to come to a smaller gallery, maybe ask a question or two without having to feel overwhelmed by the whole breadth of the conference. Right, so if somebody was interested in ceremonial magic right. or OTO, they could go there with only maybe 10 or 15 correct. people, correct. or they could go to the COG suite and mm -hmm. hang out and listen to people mm -hmm. talk and eat food, you know. Yes. Yeah. Because you know, it's, it's, it's great that these groups are offering their rituals and, and people can go and participate, but it can be a little overwhelming. Um, even for somebody who's experienced with, with ritual in their own tradition, it's like, but I'm going to go and I'm going to say the wrong thing at the wrong time and, and I'll get turned into a toad and, and I'll get hit by lightning and it'll be really bad, I'll be embarrassed. And it's like, well, no, I don't think so. <laughs> but, but just being able to go to the hospitality suite and just kind of, you know, nobody's going to turn you into a toad and, and see they eat just like you eat and, and you know, it takes some of the anxiety away for people. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and it's also, it, it's one of the things, um, one of the interesting challenges about being at Pantheacon is staying grounded in yourself. Um, and I know you addressed that in the con program and in the pre-con information that registration, people register receive is, you know, remember to eat, remember to breathe, drink water. Actually, that, that whole thing was a, um, we used to hand those out at the Angel Waste Festival, mm -hmm. and that was adapted from something uh, from Massachusetts, from the Rites of Spring. Mm -hmm. Diana Paxson rewrote their thing, mm -hmm. then we used it at the festival, and then we kind of redid it a little bit mm -hmm. to, again, you know, to suit the conference mm -hmm. more. And it, yeah, just staying grounded. Because mm -hmm. particularly for people who've never been to something like a con before, and you know, have never spent a weekend in a hotel with 2,000 of their closest friends. Um, it's an overwhelming experience, but then when you have the type of con that Pantheacon is, and you've got people running all this energy and doing all this magic and doing these rituals, and, and there's just all this energy exchange going on just in the conversations that people are having. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this it's this double whammy, and, and you see these people like walking around glazed. And it's like, here, why don't you sit down? And so I think that... I, I just appreciate that you you bother to take that step and help try to help people keep a grip on themselves over the weekend. Mm -hmm. Well, if they read it, it helps. Well, <laughs> right. Okay, well, it's, it's, if they you can't make it. them read it. But, <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's also reflected in, in how you bring on the opening and closing ceremonies. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. You create an atmosphere and, and an environment that you feel protected in the entire time you're at this particular event. And I think it's something that you take close to heart as you're going, you know, if you're there. I was, I was fortunate enough to be at the opening ceremony last year that, that you started, and as you called the Four Corners, and, and really kind of set a protection area around the entire event. Um, made us feel uh, much more comfortable exploring all these new disciplines that maybe we don't have 
the regular opportunity to visit. So uh, it's very exciting. Yeah, I, I really enjoy doing the opening ritual, though I may hand it over to others at some point too. Mm -hmm. But doing the that's you know protecting mm -hmm. and uh, doing this circle you know to surround the whole hotel, mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. environs because right. now we have people outside the hotel, so yep. it's a semi permeable membrane. Mm -hmm. The um, and also the staff has taken it upon themselves and they go through to help ground themselves out. Mm -hmm. uh, and they go through and do awarding and protecting. And mm -hmm. um, I think actually one of their early workshops is uh, one of the staff people who likes to do the additional mm -hmm. you know, awarding and grounding, uh, focuses on that. But you know, I like the idea of it being you know, 2,000 of your closest friends. <laughs> because even if you don't know anybody, they're, they're going to be mm -hmm. your right. friends yeah. and family. Right. Mm -hmm. and, I like it to feel like, you know, just like I like the store to feel like a mom and pop store. Mm -hmm. um, I like the Pantheacon to be like a group of friends getting together and exchanging things. Mm -hmm. I'm still, you know, of course, I keep looking towards the future just because I, I like to look ahead and, you know, foresight and uh, visions and things like that. And I kind of envision maybe there being, you know, uh, some smaller things that could somehow come together with it. Mm -hmm. Maybe maybe different weekends or something like mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. I've also been playing with the idea of um, for people who don't have a whole workshop's worth of material. Mm -hmm. A friend of mine has a who's in COG and, and uh, interfaith things. He's got a thing he started called. Uh, something for lost and endangered religions. Mm. Oh. Wow. And it's basically focused on archaeology, and mm -hmm. they have some wonderful success stories. Mm -hmm. But it happened that I was traveling with Don and Anna um, and to Turkey, and we went to Haran, which was has the location of the well where uh, Sarah met Abraham, mm -hmm. or Abraham met Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> and that well we went to, and here's a sacred space, and I always like to go to places where there's water, and I'm very drawn to that. And so I went there, and I wanted to see that. I'm not Christian, and I'm not even a person of the book particularly. But many religions find that would be a sacred space for them. Mm -hmm. right. We went, and we looked at it, we took photographs of it. Mm -hmm. There was like liter plastic soda pop bottles down uh. in the trash, down in this hole. That's the well. And I went, that's uh. the well? What I want to do, we haven't quite done it yet, but this weekend we're going to put our heads together. Actually, what will probably happen is I have an idea and Donna will make it work better. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to have people like that in your life. Though. Yeah, I tend to be ideas, you know. So, you know, but you know, I was thinking I could, you know, I could do something half-assed, and I would be totally into doing something half-assed. But I think Don will probably want to do it right. Mm -hmm. So, basically, you know, have a photograph of the trashed-out well of Abraham and Sarah, mm -hmm. and say, you know, and Haran itself has a library that is a whole story in and of itself. That, mm -hmm is buried as no excavation has happened. And there's all through that wow. whole Fertile Crescent area that they're trashing right now. Mm -hmm. uh, well, not in Turkey so bad. Basically, there's, there's these wonderful things. So I, I want to make a storyboard, which would just mm -hmm. a poster, you know, like you do for your science project mm -hmm. as a kid, mm -hmm. and have pictures of the well and have pictures about it and have... Basically, a friend of mine suggested it might be a beginning article for something like biblical archaeology. Mm -hmm. 
they go in for lots of pictures and hardly any words, <laughs> which, which would be great, you know. Mm-hmm. And, but having something like that, I mean, one year Don did presentations on uh, our trip, say, to Turkey when we went to um, some archaeological sites there. That mm-hmm. were pretty spectacular, very spectacular. Mm-hmm. And But this would be focused on this one little area that you really don't have a whole workshop on. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, our, our trip to the Hecateum... The, the shrine of Hecate and the mm-hmm. ceremonies we did there that w- that could turn into ninety minutes worth of talk and mm-hmm. slides and mm-hmm. so on. But this thing, you know, just the shock of seeing you know that well trashed, oh, yeah, really has just maybe just one or two pictures. And so mm-hmm. having storyboards, I'll bet you there's lots of people mm-hmm. who have really cool ideas of knowledge mm-hmm. that could be encapsulated in these storyboard idea, mm-hmm. and then people could just put it out. You mm-hmm. know? That's like, great. Uh, well, um, we're at our time, unfortunately. Okay. Um, but uh, we keep going for hours and hours. But um, we do have to be considerate of people who are listening, mm-hmm. um, and we have to be considerate of ourselves and go home at some point. So, <laughs> um, but so as I think talking about the future and how you know you're seeing Pantheacon evolving and changing and constantly adding new ideas and and new things, um, I think it is one of the reasons that it's still such a compelling experience even though it's grown from 200 to 2,000 people and has moved, you know, because everybody's like, San Jose? That doesn't seem very witchy. It's like, well, you know. <laughs> it's a conference, they're like right, a conference right. hotel. You right. know, it's, 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 it's... You go where the facility yeah, is. Right. Yeah, it's, you find the space and you make it witchy. That's what I try to explain to people. Um, but, but just wanted to thank you for your time. Well, uh, thank both you Both tonight for... and over the past... 50 years of doing your part to keep magic alive in the world and make it possible for other people to do the same. Yeah. Really appreciate I'm it. Gonna keep continuing. Excellent. It's been a total pleasure. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Glenn. Thank you, thank you Rose. Thank you, Artemis. And let's all say goodbye now. Bye. Goodbye. Until next time. <laughs>